Well, today we are continuing in our series entitled Seeking God for a Breakthrough. And specifically, what we're going to talk about today is persistent prayer. Now, we started talking about prayer last week, but it's such an important topic that today we're going to focus on why we should pray consistently or per- persistently. And there's so many, there's so many uh, examples in the Bibles of, that I can give you about persistent prayer. One of them comes from Colossians, and I decided to put it there in your outline. So if you guys take out your outline, the first scripture that is there comes from Colossians chapter 2, verse 2, where it says, Be persistent. Again, be persistent in prayer and keep alert as you pray, always giving thanks to God. And what's interesting to me anyway, that every time I start studying for some of these messages and preparing, it's almost like God brings back all of the areas of my life where I needed to think about this persistent prayer. And he brought back to me all these times where I needed to keep things in prayer and when God answered me and still hasn't answered me and yet, uh, so it's, it's, he puts us all through a journey. And one of, those, one of those stories that God brought back to mind, and I'm not sure why he brought this story back, but nevertheless, that's the first thing that he brought back to me. I want to share with you this morning. It, was a, it, it happened back in 1998, and, and my wife and Olivia and I had just gotten the news that we were pregnant with, a thir- with our third child. We had two boys at that point, and we were praying for a little girl. So we got the news that she was pregnant. And I think it was right around after her second regular checkup that we got a call from the doctor's office. And the doctor's office says, you guys need to come back in because we found uh, what they call some irregular, irregularities on her in her test. And we didn't know how serious it was but uh, until we went in. And then when we went in, the doctor explained to us that the test showed that our baby had a significant chance. They give us a percentage. I don't, I don't remember the percentage, but I just remember the word significant. That was all I heard at the time. It was a significant chance of having Down syndrome. And then the only way to confirm a diagnosis was to have a, what they call an amniocentesis, which is when they get a big needle and they inject it and they take out amniotic fluid. And the doctor said that is the only way to really confirm um, a true diagnosis. And he told us what the, the risks are. He says, of course, I put the baby at risk. And we went through a long list of all these risks that you have when you get an amniocentesis. And he also told us, which um, it was hard for us to hear at the time, but he told us, you know, there's two things that will happen if you get a correct diagnosis. Number one is you'll know. You'll know that you'll know and you'll get ready. Number two, you will always have the option to terminate the pregnancy. Well, as you guys would guess, Olivia and I, started to pray. And we went to our pastor and we prayed and it was a hard time for us. And we decided through that prayer, through that persistent prayer, that we didn't need an amniocentesis because it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, if God wanted us to have a baby with Down syndrome, then his will would be done and we would have a baby with Down syndrome. And Olivia and I never once considered terminating the pregnancy. So why do we need a test? Howard, guess what we did for the next five to six months after receiving those news? Talk about praying for a breakthrough. Talk about praying persistently. For the next five to six months, we didn't know the fate of our baby. We we had to live without knowing. And it was one of the hardest things to submit to God. We said, your will be done, but did we really submit to it? I wasn't ready for that. I recall it was real, a really difficult time. We didn't tell a lot of people. Only our, our kids didn't know. Our pastor knew, and it was just Olivia and I. But that didn't keep us from praying. That didn't keep us from crying out, from pleading. 
honestly, from begging. And six months later, we had a beautiful baby girl. We prayed for a baby girl, and we got a baby girl, and we named her Alexis. She's right there. (laughs) And we quickly realized that she didn't have Down syndrome. That was just God's will. And she's as beautiful today as she was when she was a baby. Well, she was really cute, chunky baby, so... And I tell you that story because I'm sure some of you guys can relate to a time in your life when you needed to pray for a breakthrough and and an ordinary prayer, like a one-time prayer, was just not going to do. All of us have gone through those times in our lives. And there's a story that in the Bible that really grabbed my attention. It's the parable of the persistent friend. And it caught my attention because it happens right after the disciples asked Jesus, and he says, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus taught them what we know today as the Lord's Prayer. And you guys know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for your sin is the kingdom and the power forever and ever, amen. Something like that, right? What's intriguing to me is that Jesus had just taught them the verses before, but then Jesus wanted them to know more about that. So here's how you pray, but there's more to prayer than that, disciples, he says. He says right after that, he tells them this story in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 5. Then he said to them, this is Jesus, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing said before him. And from inside, he answers and says, don't bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet, because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. I was thinking about this, and honestly, the first thing that came to me is like, who does that? Can you guys imagine that happening today? And and I thought about it and like, well, if I went to, which neighbors could I go to that would open the door in the middle of the night and give me bread? And I thought there was probably maybe two of them that I could convince to open the door, but I certainly don't think they would ever speak to me ever again after that. I know that for a fact. So this story for us is really difficult to relate to because it just doesn't happen today. I mean, who just shows up in the middle of the night waiting to be fed by you? And unless you're Mexican, that just doesn't happen. It just doesn't. (laughs) So this story is considered a contrast parable, meaning that it tells you what God is not like. So Jesus is saying here, I am not like the guy who's just going to give you something just to get you out of my hair. And Jesus uses this analogy, this story to say that our father, first, you know, our, our father doesn't sleep, so you're not going to be bothering him. You can come to him in the middle of the night and it's okay. How much more would he be willing to respond to the one who keeps on asking and seeking and knocking. But here's the bottom line to this parable. Persistence pays off with God. 
Persistence pays off with God. There's also, this took me to another parable that happens right after Jesus is, is teaches them to pray as well. And that is the, the, the parable of the persistent widow. And that's recorded in Luke chapter 18. And before I tell you this parable, let me give you some background because I think it's important. In Jesus' time, there was no such thing as a city courthouse. Rather, a judge would travel from town to town, pitching his tent in any given location for like three to five days. And when the judge was in town, those with legal issues would begin to make their way forward to be, you know, to get their case heard. Often, however, the needs were so great that the docket would be filled. And then at that point, the only way for a person to get their case heard would be to bribe the judge's assistant. So keep that in mind as you read this. Also, as I read this, see if you can pick up, I told you this is a contrast parable that compares to what God is not like. See if you can pick up on some of those contrasts. And it starts in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, where it says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. So for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. And then he asks a question that to me is really intriguing that I really want to cover with you later. It says, however, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Very interesting question to close that parable with. And I find it interesting. The first thing I found interesting is that he uses a parable said in a courtroom to teach us about persistent prayer, especially when you consider that our own judicial system is really moving towards restricting or even eliminating prayer. So this is very ironic. Now, I want you to notice something right at the top. It starts by saying, you should always keep on prayer, praying and never give up. Because if you think about that, I mean, seriously, think about that for a second, because in your life, you're either doing one or the other. If you're not praying, that means you're giving up, especially if you have needs. And if you're giving up, you're probably going to be discouraged. In fact, I say that because there's probably some of you in this room that are discouraged right now. So the first thing that you can gain right off the top of this parable is that you need to start praying, praying and not give up. In other words, you need to pray persistently. Some of you have stopped praying persistently. And maybe that's why you feel so discouraged this morning. Because you've gotten your eyes off of God and you're putting them back on yourself. We know through this parable that the, the women's chances of being heard didn't look very promising for three reasons. First, she was a woman in a culture where they didn't really value women. Second, she was a widow without a husband who was going to be able to get her through the front of the line or help her overcome some of these obstacles. Third, she was a widow. Being a widow, she was more than likely very poor, so she didn't have the money to bribe the judge or the assistants. So it didn't look very good for her. It looked like this widow didn't have a chance to be heard, but notice what she did. It didn't stop her. 
She came day and night before the judge, pleading and begging for her case to be heard. She wanted justice. And the judge doesn't care about her, and the Bible tells us that he didn't even care about God, until finally the judge says, you know, just to get this lady off my back, I'm going to do what she wants. So it's the same theme as the first parable that I read to you. And I think Jesus uses this account of the widow to teach what our attitude should be towards prayer. But notice, he gives us a contrast. He tells us, I'm not like this, guys. Because that tells us that our situation is entirely different. First of all, we don't appear before an unjust judge. We come to a loving father. Second, we appear before God, before God not as strangers, but, but as his children. And if you think about that for a second, those of you that have kids, I mean, who of you denies their kids to be in their presence? I mean, no matter how important a man may be, they always have access to the Father. You know, I remember this week, I was, I was preparing for this message, and I was studying, and my, my grandkids showed up to the office, and the first thing I see is like, Grandpa, I stop everything, and they have access right there and there. Your kids have access with the Father. So it's the same thing, the privilege we have with, as children of God that we can enter the Father's presence immediately, and He drops everything with open arms and receives us. Third, the woman is a widow in this story, but you and I, the Bible tells us that we're the bride of Christ. You know, it's a big difference. A widow feels alone. We don't have to feel alone because we're the bride. Fourth, the widow went to the judge alone. We have an advocate. Jesus stands right beside us as we approach the Father. And the last contrast is that the widow went to a court of law. Folks, when we come to God, we're not coming to a court of law. We come to the cross. We come to the throne of grace. So if we know that the Father loves us, that Jesus is our advocate standing beside us, and that we are the bride of Christ, uh, that we get to approach the throne of grace, it, why is it then that we don't pray persistently? Why, why is it that we tend to give up sometimes when we know that God cares and God wants to answer us even when other people don't? Even if your neighbor doesn't open the door and even, even if they're being rude or they think you're being rude, even if you go to people in the middle of the night, even if you come to some people that you feel are unjust or uncaring or an unsympathetic judge says, forget it, I have no time for you. God says, I'm like none of those. I'm neither because he listens and he cares. So it should be different with us when we pray persistently. But I, st I still kind of had a problem. I had more questions. You know, why is it that Jesus must ask at the end of this parable, will I find praying faith when I return? I mean, if God is eager to answer our prayers, why is it that we feel that he doesn't sometimes? Why doesn't he just answer us the first time? I've read the Bible. The Bible tells me that ask and you shall receive, and it, I, I should be able to ask once. Is he teaching us to beg? I mean, what, what, what is it that he's doing through this? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to answer you. <laughs> the Bible gives us a number of reasons, and, and none of them, none of them have to do with convincing God because he already knows what you need before you ask. That's not why you do it. But the first reason why we need to pray persistently is because it keeps our attention focused on God. When you pray about something over and over and over, where does your attention go? It's focused on God. 
Now, now we know that the greatest gift that we can give somebody, especially your wife and kids, is your time. We know that time is your life because you're never going to get that back. So when you give your attention to somebody and when you look them straight in the eye, you're telling them, you are important to me. You are valuable. It is the highest gift that you can give. Well, guess what? God says, I want your attention. When you pray about something over and over, you give God your attention. God loves to have your attention because always, he's always thinking of you. But even more fundamentally than that, I think our Father enjoys being with us and he enjoys spending time with us. And persistent prayer is one way that God spends time with us. One of the reasons that God loved King David so much is because King David gave God his attention all the time. In Psalm 25, David says, my eyes are continually looking to the Lord, which is another way of saying he was persistent. I'm continually looking to the Lord for help, for he alone can rescue me from all of the traps. And we know that all of us here are going to have some traps. Some of them are going to happen this week, and, and only God knows in advance that they're going to happen. So the first question that you have to ask yourself this morning is, do you talk to God when you need something more than when you don't? And of course, I, for me, I know the, of course I do. Because if I never needed anything, I probably wouldn't talk to God as often. And when you talk, when do you talk to God the most? It's when we're in pain, when we're in sorrow, when we need something, when we're hurting. So God uses us to, to put our attention on God. And there's a second reason Praying persistently, you know, while we wait for that, it teaches me about myself. It teaches you about yourself. You're going to learn some things while you're praying for an answer that you won't learn any other way. And when you pray and God says, well, let's just see how long you're going to wait. Let's just see how long it's going to take before you give up or not give up. You know, some prayers are answered immediately, but some take time, weeks, months, years, a lifetime. I can tell you in my case, many of my prayers, the important ones, have taken a long time. One in particular, I'm probably never going to see the answer to prayer because it has to do with my kids and their generations. Yet I continue to pray for that. But the reality of my persistent prayers is that while I am working on that prayer, God is probably working more on me than the prayer itself. Now, something happens when we keep focused on God, and that is that God starts to refine us. He starts to purify us. He starts to test us for our own good. So if you give up on your persistent prayer, you're never going to learn those lessons that God wants you to learn. And one of those first lessons is that praying persistently is going to test your desires. That means that you ask yourself the question, what do I really truly want? And when you start praying, and, and I know many of you guys are praying for a breakthrough now, you're going to find that actually your prayer is going to change over time. It's going to evolve. It's going to grow. It's going to develop because you're going to see what's truly important in your life as you go through that prayer. Now, I know that all of us here, I know I do, we all have desires. And the reason we have desires is because God has put them there. But as you and I know, some of those desires can be, they're all gifts from God, but some of them can be misused and some of them can be abused. As an example, there's good desires in life and there's some bad desires in life, some, some appropriate desires and some inappropriate desires, some helpful and some harmful desires, some righteous and some unrighteous, 
some constructive and some destructive desires in your life. And when you pray persistently, those start to filter out and you begin to realize this is a good desire and this is not such a good desire. So persistent prayer shows the difference between an urge or, or, or an impulse. It shows the difference between that and a truly deep desire that you may have. So if you ask for God, and if you think about it, if you ask for God for something and you only ask about it one time, is that a deep desire of yours? It's probably not. It's probably just an urge. And God is not in the business of fulfilling our every single whim. God is in the business as your heavenly father to take care of your deepest desires. God doesn't give us our every little whim. That's why it happens to me all the time where I see something in Amazon and I love it and I want it. I'm about to order three minutes later and it goes away and it's, that's a whim. God is not interested in giving me all my whims. And if you're not willing to pray for some time more than once, then guess what? It's not a deep desire. And God doesn't promise to meet all of your whims. So the first thing that praying persistently does is that it's going to test your desires. And we know, the Bible tells us that God wants to give us our deepest desires. He does. He just wants to make sure that he's number one, that he's first place, that everything else is second, that, that, almost, that there's almost nothing that God won't give to us to a man or a woman who puts God first in every area of their life. Almost nothing. And I'm not telling you this. this the Bible tells us that in Psalm 37, is a great promise. It says, take delight in the Lord. That's the desire thing. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So that's the first thing that it tests. Number two, persistent prayer is going to test your priorities. It's going to test my priorities. That's when you ask yourself, what's more important to me? And when you pray about something, it tends to clarify what's important to you, doesn't it? Again, if you don't pray about it, it's obviously not that important, right? Now, if, you're not, if it's not worth praying about it repeatedly, then it's not a priority. And usually, you can tell what's really important to you by what you worry about the most. Worry tells you what's important in your life. Worry tells me what's important in my life. If you worry about it, that means it's important to you. Well, if it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. And if you prayed about everything that you worried about, you'd have a lot less to worry about. Worry all you want. It doesn't change anything. But you turn that into a prayer and pray all that you want, and it'll change everything. Every time you start to worry... You should stop and turn that worry into a prayer because every time you worry, the Bible tells us that it's like acting like an unbeliever. An unbeliever sometimes is even an atheist. Sometimes it's worse than being an atheist. In fact, Jesus gets right to the point in the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 6 where he says these things, and he just finished talking about do not worry and do not, you know, all of these things about worry. And he says these things, meaning worry, dominate the thoughts of who? The unbeliever. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything that you need. And it means everything that you need. So if you're in a situation right now when you don't feel God is answering your prayers or, or you don't feel Him answering you at all, perhaps 
want you to contemplate this. Perhaps you are not waiting on God, but God is waiting on you to determine your priorities. Maybe God is testing your desires. Maybe he wants to test your priorities. Look at Psalm 84. It says, No good thing will the Lord withhold from those who do what is right. He's saying, if your priorities are right, if you're living for me, if your attention is with me, if you're staying connected with me, my kingdom is your number one priority. Guess what? Anything you ask, no good thing will I withhold from those who live uprightly. What an amazing promise. Which leads me to ask you this next question. Is there anything out of order in your life? Are your priorities out of whack right now? Is your job number one instead of God? Is TV number one? What about social media? Is that number one in your life instead of God's word? Because he says, no good thing will I withhold from those who do what is right. Here's a third test. Praying persistent is going to test your maturity. Well, that's kind of a no-brainer, right? But this is a big one. It's a big one because God doesn't give you something immediately. He, He... When he does that, he's testing your maturity. He's testing your character. He's testing your responsibility. He's testing whether you've grown up or not. He wants to show you the areas where you need to grow. And persistent prayer, when I ask for something over and over again, it actually shows my maturity rather than my immaturity. Patience is a mark of maturity. And when it comes to prayer, if God doesn't give it to you immediately, do we just give up and say, well, I'm just not going to pray about that because God is obviously not listening to me. Or if you keep praying about it for a month, a year, or whatever, and you say, you know, I'm just going to give up on this. He's obviously not there. Or what I hear a lot of people say when they're going through their toughest times in life, I'm angry at God right now, which is okay. But what they usually do, that follows by saying, I'm going to go away from God, away from the church, and they separate from every, you know, God-living person around them because they're angry at God. Well, maturity means that you know the difference between a delay and a denial. A delay is not a denial. Now, we know that a baby or a toddler doesn't understand that. To a toddler, a no and a not yet, it means the same thing. That's why they're going to throw temper tantrums, right? Well, when you grow up, maturity means that you learn the difference between a delay and a denial. God hasn't said no to your request. But it's going to come in his timing, which is the hardest thing to wait for. God wants to meet the deepest needs, your, your physical, spiritual, emotional, financial, relational, all of your deepest needs. He's promised to meet those needs, but, but he's far more interested in your character development than your comfort zone because we all know this to be true. We keep hearing about it over and over again. We're not going to get to take our houses and our cars to heaven. But you know what you do get to take? Your character. Your character follows you. And the Bible says that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. And how do you learn patience? Unfortunately, by waiting You learn patience by praying persistence, even though you don't see results right away. So the next time you guys are sitting at the DMV waiting in line there, or in rush hour traffic, or in the doctor's office waiting to be seen, think about it. God is working on your patience. So here's a big question that we have to ask ourselves this morning. 
Am I willing to let God change me instead of changing the circumstances that I don't like? Because that right there, folks, when we allow that to happen, that's called the point of surrender. And the point of surrender happens in every breakthrough prayer right before the breakthrough happens. And if you don't get through to this point, you're not going to get through to the breakthrough. Am I willing to let God change me, change my attitude, change my heart, change my character, grow me up and change me to be more like Christ? Paul says in Romans, give yourself completely to God to be used in the hands of God for his good purposes. That right there is a point of surrender. That is a point where you go, God, this is what I want, but really more than anything, I want to be in the center of your will. And if I need to, ch- you need to change me, go ahead, do it. I'm, I'm ready. In other words, I surrender to you. Finally, when you're waiting and you keep praying persistently and, and the answer hasn't come, you have to consider that praying persistently is going to test your faith. That God is developing your faith. And folks, the most precious thing of all is your faith. So the question we have to ask ourselves here is, do I trust my feelings more than I trust my heavenly father? This next verse is going to be very familiar to most of you. It's one of my favorites, Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for good and not for evil. They are plans to give you a future and a hope. So are you going to trust your feelings or are you going to trust in God's promises? He says, I have these plans for you, you know, but you know what happens with my plans, God says? It's my timing. It's God's timing. Not all plans happen overnight. In fact, the bigger God wants to do something in your life, the longer the runway it's going to take, it's going to need to take off. It happens You know, when he wants to do something, we know that it's not instantly. We know that it's going to take a longer runway. It's going to take longer to get off the ground when you're, and through that, you're going to be trusting and you're going to be growing in your priorities and in your maturity and in your faith and in your desires. And then God's going to say, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it in my time. Paul goes on to say in Galatians, let us not get tired of doing what is right for when? At the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. There's the don't get discouraged and give up again, meaning persistent prayer, stay with it, don't give up. Your faith is more desirable and more important and more precious than anything God could possibly physically give to you. So I'm going to call the worship team up. And as they come up, I want to go back to the parable of the persistent widow. I'm still intrigued by that question he asked. He says, however, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus asked this because he knew that it was going to be our tendency to stop praying, to give up, to run away, to blame him, to blame others, to be angry with him. And some of you, through your storm, are feeling that way today. And it's hard to hear everything I'm saying right now, especially God's word, because you're in the middle of your pain and your sorrow, and you're in the middle of your flames. Yes, 
I want you to recall one thing, and it's the one thing that God made me recall when I was praying for my breakthrough with my daughter. He made me remember all of the times, and there's been many, that God has been faithful to you. Remember all of those times where God was faithful to you. You know, I can give you a hundred scriptures that all point to God wanting to give you what you ask for, for the desires of your heart. But remember, you're not trying to convince God. When you keep praying for it, in that persistence, really what God is doing is God is changing you. He's changing your desires. He's purifying your desires. He's testing your character. He's building your faith. He, he is strengthening your life. He's doing all of these things for the good in your life. So ask yourself one last question. Even if God doesn't answer you right away, what or who will you put your hope in? So as we sing this next song, I just want to encourage you to respond to God and say that your hope is in God alone, that no matter what you go through, that your hope is in God alone. And even if you don't respond right away, God, God, my hope is in you alone. Heavenly Father, we're grateful to you this morning for your word. Even if, Father, even if you don't think you're near, Father, we know that you are. Lord, give us the strength, give us the courage to be able to say that it is well with our souls, especially through the storms of life, Lord. And if there's anyone here this morning that is going through those, Father, I ask that you would come before them and that you would encourage them knowing that you are with them, that you're advocating for them, that you want to give them the desires of their heart, that they should never give up because having their hope in you is better than anything else they can do. Lord, I pray that for all of us that we would take your lessons that you're trying to teach us through your word and that we would plant them into our heart, that they would make a difference as we walk out of these doors. Not for our sake, but for your sake, Father, for your glory, for your power is better than anything else we can seek. So we put it all in your hands this morning. Pray that you would just bless us and that you would bless us indeed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.